Time for the Tennessee Power Hour on this Friday edition of Outkick 360. Crew is all here, the entire cast making the show happen across the Outkick network, including David Reed, the chairman of the board, Lance Lee, and Jacob Swanson. We appreciate you guys. Sleepy Danny as well. Becca Risley, uh, I believe with a well-deserved day off. I think Reed Reed is in for her today. Um, Never a day off for VolQuest.com. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price. Brent never takes a day off because he lives on a farm. Austin Price doesn't take a day off because he works for Brent Hubbs. Gentlemen, <laughs> hope you're doing well. I'll tell you this. Go ahead, Brent, Austin. This Brent, we've heard, the, we've heard the age-old adage, it takes a village. And considering <laughs> they just rolled through like 45 people, it really does take an, a, a village to make Withrow <laughs> presentable on the air. Yeah. Of, of the three, Austin, who do you think is like the lord of the manor for, for that for that trio because everybody else is like a surf just kind of a underling that works there who's the lord of the manor from from the uh from the outkick 360 crew there austin the main three or, or the or the ones yeah, that out of the three. main three who's who's the lord who's the lord of the manor who's it's, in charge it's, it's hutton it's hutton <laughs> withrow's kind of loud and 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 and, and, and kaharski's kind of loud but the guy who says nothing and then just beats him with a stick when they're off the air is is jonathan hutton all right, there you Chad, go. Chad is our court gesture. That's how we yeah, I, I'm, describe I'm, him. He's I'm our your, clown. I'm your clown. I, I'm here for only entertainment purposes, and I'll dance. I'll do whatever's necessary. I've <laughs> lost all control. The interns don't fear me anymore, so yeah. i got to re Big moment on the show, life. guys, when the, the, the interns uh, told uh, some people we were talking to at the event last Thursday that they don't fear Paul at all, and he was this very hurt very by upsetting. that. very upsetting. They no longer fear him. So officially, Paul is the lord of nothing at Outkick 360, <laughs> is what you're telling me. I, I got to reevaluate some things. <laughs> hey, let's let's kick things off with baseball. Um, uh, first pitch, I guess I should say, if you uh, want to make the pun there, as they head to Omaha, and the key is to stay in the winner's bracket. Let's just start with what's going to take place on the diamond. What, what chances do you guys give this team of making a run in Omaha now that they made it and they swept LSU? Well, I mean, I give them a great, I mean, a, a real shot of, of making a serious run there. And here's the reason why. They've won, they've won every, they've won games in every style possible. Need to outscore people, they've been able to do that. Uh, need to win a low scoring game, they found ways to do that. Rally late, et cetera. One of the keys for this team all season long has been the ability of the starting pitching to go deep into the game uh, and, and not, you know, not get run in the third inning or, or the fourth inning. Chad Dallas, if he can go deep on Sunday afternoon and get them, you know, six quality innings and save some bullpen things, then, then I think that that's great for Tennessee's chances to stay in the winner's bracket. I think starting pitching is the key so you don't eat that bullpen up early while you're out there because, as, we as we know, it's a long ride out there to try to get to the finish line. Well, I mean, guys, I, you guys were talking about it before the – before the break with the golf, just like the luck of the draw on, on a morning or afternoon wave, you know, you look at this baseball team, there they are, one, you know, in the last inning against Wright State. If they lose that game, things yeah. could be vastly different. They find a way when they didn't have their A game. They didn't have their A game against Wright State, but they found a way, and they found a way in so many different ways this year. Brent brings up a good point. Sometimes they've won when they needed to score. Sometimes they've been in a, in a, in a low-scoring uh, pitchers duel. I mean, this is a, a team that that can literally win in all different shapes, forms, and fashions, and, and I think that's why it sets up well for them in Omaha. And if they were to drop a game, I don't think they'll bat an eye because they do trust in their pitching staff. They trust Chad Dallas. They trust Will Heflin. They trust, you know, Blade Tidwell. They blood. They trust their bullpen. 
um, you know, this is a, it's a team that really believes in one another, and I think that carries them. And what do you think about their half of the draw, uh, starting with a matchup with Virginia, a team that I believe was a three seed going into the NCAA tournament, but they've got College World Series experience within that program also. So what do you think about their half of the bracket, starting with Virginia? Well, I think that the two best teams on their side is Tennessee and, and Texas, and I, and I don't think it's close, really, when you look at it. Virginia's a team that does not score a ton of runs when, when you look at them. Um, you know, they, they kind of um, – you know, they, they, they basically home run themselves into the College World Series. And uh, um, the Ameritrade ballpark out in, in Omaha that replaced Rosenblatt Stadium is a big yard. You typically don't see a ton of home runs hit there, although the ball is certainly flying out at ballparks all around the country in college baseball. So, uh, you know, if Tennessee can keep the ball in the ballpark uh, from a pitching standpoint, I, I like Tennessee's chances against Virginia. I don't think that's a bad draw at all. Um, Vanderbilt, I think, got a huge break with Arkansas getting beat in the Super Regional because it was going to be Vanderbilt and Arkansas in that bracket um, to, to try to get to you know that final series. So I, I like Vanderbilt on the other side, and I think it's Tennessee or Texas coming out of that bottom bracket to end, going into the championship series. You think they're being cast a little bit as an underdog and incorrectly so? I've seen some T-shirts and stuff that maybe are selling them that way when uh – they're third seed in the country coming into the tournament, right? And I mean, they—they're coming into this looking to me like a favorite. Well, but doesn't every coach in the country and every player in the country talk all the time about how they've been disrespected? Yeah. I mean, how many NFL MVPs have been disrespected, right? I mean, at, at some point, you know, Derrick Henry has used that for a chip on his shoulder. I, I mean, Lawrence Taylor at one point was disrespected. It's like, no, you're—you're you're, you're not. I mean, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee is, you know, seated properly. Um, they don't like to give themselves a lot of credit, Austin. They like playing that chip on the shoulder. I think that fits the Italian Tony Vitello's uh, mentality and mindset. And, and I think Tennessee plays to that and will play to that all week uh, or however long they're in Omaha. I think they like it that way. Well, I think Tennessee as a, as a program in general, as an athletic department, has always been better as the underdog than they are as the favorite in, in any sport. And so, you know, to come in, you know, as not the favorite, you know, Vanderbilt, Texas are the top two teams that you see talk most about. Now I get some some betting, you know, services have Tennessee a little higher than Texas. They kind of flip-flop those two. But on the whole, Tennessee is, is you know, not one of the top two teams thought to make it to that championship series. I think that plays well. And, again, I go back to the pitching. I think that the, the fact that they were able to, you know, once they got past right State, take care of business, and then sweep LSU last weekend, Will Heflin's arm is well-rested. Tidwell will be well-rested, and Chad Dallas will be well-rested before uh, Sunday's start at 2 o'clock. So uh, this is a pitching staff that I think comes in motivated and a group that, you know, some of them know it's their last ride. And Evan Russell, you can bet he's going to be motivated in this. And, and if it takes saying, you know, people are picking other teams and motivating yourself – whatever it takes. Well, and I think, Paul, to finish that point up, when you don't have the tradition, and Tennessee's not been there recently, obviously, and you throw in the fact that there's not a poster boy for this team, okay? There's not a Dick Hauser winner, a Golden Spikes award winner, player of the year kind of guy. I mean, they are a collection of dudes playing baseball. Uh, they will not dominate the all-SEC team. They don't have the MVP of the league or the star of the league that way. 
I think it's easier to play that underdog role when that's kind of who you are and what your approach is. They're, they're a collection of guys. The some of their parts uh, or their whole is greater than anybody. Else. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's yeah. the whole is much greater than the parts in this point. Guys, what do you expect in terms of Tennessee Orange making the trip north to Omaha uh, for this? I'm not talking about Burn Orange with Texas. How many Tennessee fans do you expect to make the trip? You know, I mean, I think there'll be some. I don't know that it'll be um, anything. I don't think they're going to paint the whole town orange. Um, you know, this is a, it's an interesting tournament because to get to the championship game or the championship series, you're out there 12 days. Well, nobody's taking two weeks vacation to go to Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series unless you're a parent, you know, uh, of a player. So there'll be some fans fly in for the early part. And then if Tennessee got to the championship game, I think you would see some Tennessee fans get there. It's not an easy place to get to. It's not the cheapest place to get to from a flight travel standpoint as well. You will see orange, but they're, they're not going to dominate that stadium out there But because of, I think, just the way the tournament's set up and, and the fact that it's not a cheap trip. How do you guys describe the atmosphere in Knoxville uh, with the Orange that we saw last week with, with LSU? Uh, we clearly just watched it on TV, but the atmosphere looked great both in the ballpark and outside. Austin, let's start with you on that. What did you observe? It was awesome. I mean, the atmosphere was really good. The fans were out in force. Um, they were loud. And uh, just having a fun. It was a party. You know, my, my wife and I went to the Sunday game where they clinched. Um, and, and Brent, I know, went on Saturday night uh, when they when they went up one nothing. Um, you know, and my wife just, you know, I said, what did you think? Because she hadn't been to a Tennessee baseball game, um, maybe ever. If it was, it's been 20 years. And she said, it was just a party. That's what she kept talking about. It was just a party. And it was fun for all the fans that were there. And, of course, Tennessee made it fun. The way they won – game one and then just how they put it on them in game two um, with six home runs so um you know that the, the fans are excited obviously you've got a, a full week in between beating lsu and clinching to go to omaha and when you actually start in omaha um so it's it's been a long week i think for tennessee fans because they want sunday at two to get here as quick as it can and it just has seemed to drag on this week because everybody's anxious to get to two o'clock on sunday yeah, I mean, this town is talking about it. It doesn't matter where you go. If you run into somebody, you know, that, that, that knows you and wants to say hello, that their first question is not about, you know, how's Josh Heupel doing right now? Their first question or their first topic of conversation is about Tony Vitello and, and this baseball team and how fun they are to watch. I'm going to be interested to see how many fans come to the, the, the block party or the stadium party that they're doing uh, here at Lindsey Nelson Stadium on Sunday afternoon when, when the team is playing. Because the block party last week was awesome because you could feel the atmosphere when you were outside the gate. You know, you, 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 you had a screen to see what was happening, but you felt like you were cheering and a part of it. So how many people want to go sit outside at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, watch it on the Jumbotron there, and, and cheer as a part of the block party? Or do they stay home and watch it? I think that's going to be interesting. But I give Tennessee's athletic department credit. In a short period of time, they threw together a block party last weekend that went well, was very well received. Uh, I think fans really enjoyed it, and, and they're giving the fans the opportunity to gather and cheer together uh, for this College World Series starting on Sunday afternoon. You know, I, I'm just being honest here, I, I'm still hesitant, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, on if, if college baseball sells. Uh, you guys know what, what the atmosphere is like there. We're leading off the hour talking college baseball for the first time ever. Um, 
Are you noticing an uptick in site traffic this time of year compared to what it normally is? Is it about the same because recruiting is always at a fever pitch? What, what do you notice with the baseball fever in Knoxville? Well, for me, it's it's a it's there's there's conversation about it. You know, there, there's yes. there's message board traffic. People are talking about it. This team has captivated people because uh, let's face it, they're they're a collection of local guys. Tony Vitello is is done a good job marketing himself and this team. I think, um, and Tennessee fans are so starved for something. They're so starved for a winner. They want to pull so hard for somebody. Um, and, and, and get that done. And, and so I think that's been part of it. You got full stadiums for the first time. You didn't have that in the fall. That's probably helped a little bit. Um, and, and I think, to, to your point, is going to be a big part of the discussion of the renovations of Lindsey Nelson Stadium in terms of how, how much, how big do you make the stadium? Okay, when you're going to renovate it, add to it. Do you go, do you go 7,000 fans, 8,000 fans? Mississippi State's got a stadium that seats 15,000 fans. For the Kentucky series and the Arkansas series, and Arkansas was number one in the country at the time when they came in, they averaged less than 5,000 fans for those three games and those two series. That's ridiculous. They had two other series where they were somewhere between six and 7,500 fans. The Ole Miss series, which is their heated rival, they had over 10,000 fans for those three games, and then they sold out their Super Regional. So I think the question is, how big do you make a stadium for the, for the very point that you're making? Is this something that everybody's going to be captivated with You know, when the season starts next year or the middle of the season next year? Or, or is this a little bit of, hey, a combination of everything falling into place works well? I think Tennessee fans like baseball. I think they're definitely going to support baseball. But if I were an athletic director, I would not be building a baseball stadium greater than 10,000 fans at Tennessee or anywhere else around the country. I think you're putting yourself uh, – I, I think you want to keep the demand for tickets there and not produce an oversupply of tickets. I think demand's always better. What's the, what's the capacity right now? Is it like 4,000? On a good day with standing room only and added seats, I think the, the grandstands without added seats is about 3,300. Okay. Yeah, keep demand. I, I, yeah. That, that's crazy that Mississippi yeah. State wouldn't be filling that thing. Well, it, it then sh- it looks empty, and then it looks like there's not interest yeah. when there is interest. Yeah, it should be no more than 10,000 at the absolute yeah. max. Eight. I mean, 15,000 is way too I mean, big. eight would double it. Yeah, I, I think yeah, eight, eight's a and good number. And eight's going to be maybe empty, you know, well, maybe hold six sometimes and not look good. And, guys, since we're talking about this, because stadium renovations and what they do, that's going to be a big part of whether or not Tony Vitello is back in, in Knoxville and signs a, a contract extension. How confident are you that Danny White in Tennessee is going to bring this thing home with Tony Vitello and that he will be the coach at Tennessee long term? Well, I mean, I, I don't know how Brent feels, but I, I feel like Tennessee's going to get the job done here um, and, and, and you know, do what it takes. Now, the caveat to that is the fact that LSU's not hired anybody, Brent. And, you know, I think in, in, in the back of many's mind, it's like, you know, is something going on? You know, it, it, what, what's going on here? But I, I think Tennessee, I think Vitello wants to be in Knoxville. I think he loves the support he's gotten, the passion from the fans, and the fact he's built it all on his own because it was literally – nothing and he he sat there and he's you know you know kind of built it right up along the way and, and done a nice job and even some of the guys that weren't his uh recruits he's developed them and turned them into really uh solid sec players who have a chance to play professionally and uh you know i, I think he he enjoys the fact 
that he's built something, not coming in and piggybacking what someone else had, uh, you know, kind of built to begin with. I think Tennessee is 1,000% committed to improving everything about Tennessee baseball. Facility upgrades, upgrades in areas for player development, and everything they can to keep Tony Vitello. If Tony Vitello were to leave, that would be Tony Vitello's choice to leave, not because Tennessee did not do everything to keep him. Now, if Tony Vitello makes it to the final weekend, he's playing for a national championship, does he have more leverage than he does right now? Sure he does. Are we having this conversation if they don't hit a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth against the right state? It's probably a different conversation, right? He, he's obviously improving his stock and creating more leverage for himself. But Tennessee is committed to keeping him. They're committed to improving some dilapidated facilities at, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium on Tennessee's campus. Uh, I do think this, and I agree with Austin, that there'll be a lot of people sleep a little easier once LSU names a baseball coach because – I think if there's a job Tony Vitello would listen to, I think that's the one. Um, I, I think that job um, is, is going will capture the attention of a whole lot of people out there, and we'll see where LSU goes. It's interesting that they've just kind of slowed down on their search, and, and nothing's going on right now. So uh, we'll see what happens. Is it the East, East Carolina coach? Is it Ole Miss's coach? Or do they have something else up their sleeve? Forgive me for making this reference if you guys disagree. That has some Spurrier-esque qualities to it for a rivalry down the road where the Tennessee guy goes and coaches Florida, and you've got LSU and Tennessee fans bickering at each other over you know what's appropriate and what's not, and then Tennessee's coach goes to LSU. I, I can only imagine what that trash talk would be like. Oh, it would be entertaining. That, that's for <laughs> sure. I mean, that, there would there would be – and listen, if Tony Vitello – and again, I, I'm with Austin. I think he stays. Right, I, I think right. he wants to be here. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's no doubt Tennessee fans would um, – that would get ugly. And, and listen, <laughs> LSU, LSU fans talking about fan behavior in stadiums is, right. is a bit comical if you've ever been to Tiger Stadium or oh, yeah. um, the Maravich Center or, or Alex Box Stadium. But um, – you know, I, and I thought Tennessee fans were were pretty decent last week. Um, you know, they they had a little bit of a feeding frenzy because of what LSU said after their first trip to Knoxville. But uh, yes, that that would be right in the heart of the SEC of a of big time rivalry and and a lot of trash talk for sure. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree with what LSU fans were saying and comparing the two there. Uh, we, we certainly know what can go on <laughs> at Tiger Stadium uh, for sure. Uh, coming up, we will transition to football. We talk some things uh, on the gridiron, recruiting, picking up Neyland Stadium. We just talked about uh, baseball stadium upgrades. What about Neyland Stadium and corporate sponsorships? What could that look like? We'll ask Austin Price and Brent Hubbs that question straight ahead. The VolQuest Power Hour on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Brent Hubbs, and Austin Price with us in the VolQuest Power Hour, which is each and every Friday as we team up and get the very best Vols coverage from the best who cover the Tennessee Volunteers, Brent and Austin and everyone at VolQuest.com, which, by the way, they will have coverage from Omaha all weekend. Of course, that first pitch for Tennessee on Sunday afternoon. Uh... Your father, Tom Withrow. Happy Father's Day to to Tom. He is very pumped about this. He has mentioned this it, how many times this week? My, my dad, uh, Tom in. Withrow, guys, great example of the interest you're seeing in Knoxville because I have never heard this man ever discuss college baseball until this Tennessee run. And uh, he is 
wanting to delay Father's Day for the Tennessee <laughs> game. Every time I bring up that we're going to get together at my house for Father's Day for a barbecue, you know, late lunch dinner, he reminds me that that Tennessee game first pitches at 1 p.m. And he will not be doing anything until after that game is over. So there's your classic <laughs> wow, example of, uh, of newfound interest in college baseball. Yeah, those games are long, Chad. Yep. If, if Hubs is done renovating, he'll be able to get to the game as well yep. at his home. And uh, maybe Austin will be watching in his outdoor living space. Um, guys, let's start with uh, some Tennessee football discussion on a player that's no longer with the team, Malachi Weidman. Austin, what can you tell us there on, on why we're not seeing him on the roster? staff i mean you know i don't believe he took care of things um you know on his part uh as far as off the field and then you couple that with the fact that brent he was you know barely out there and when he was out there he was in a no contact black jersey in spring practice this one it, it was pretty easy to read this was coming for quite some time yeah i think it's a simple case of a young man who needs to mature uh, i think he probably spent his high school career relying on just his raw athletic ability um, probably didn't have a ton of focus in terms of everything outside of playing on Friday night. And uh, I think that uh, if he's going to make it in college athletics, you know, at somewhere else, he's going to have to mature and handle himself on and off the field with the dedication to the game that you have to have at this level in, in order to be a player. Uh, you, you just don't see a lot of guys um, who just can come in and dominate off the raw athletic ability. Randy Moss obviously did, but those guys don't come along all the time. And I think for Malachi to be successful at, at the Power 5 level in college, he's just got to mature on and off the field. Austin, I want your take on this one. Josh Heupel was in Nashville this week meeting with Metro head football coaches. And I uh, saw some pictures posted from that event. He seems to have made a real effort to connect with high school coaches in the state. We've seen a mixed bag with Tennessee coaches. Derek Dooley pissed off the entire state. Uh, when he took over. Butch Jones did some good things to repair some relationships with high school football coaches. Jeremy Pruitt, a former high school coach himself, was also a big proponent of reaching out and getting to know high school football coaches in the state. You cover this on a daily basis, Austin. How has Josh Heupel done in connecting with programs across the state? Well, I think they've done a nice job. And you go back to you know, April, they do the whole two-day or three-day Tennessee takeover where they're literally calling, you know, all the high school coaches in the state. You know, even, you know, the schools where they've not had a Power 5 guy ever or once every 50 years, they're calling them because you never know when a school might get somebody. Look at Greenbrier, okay? Greenbrier had a, you know, had, and has not been a Power 5 factory, but yet here they are with Nathan, you know, Robinson, a young man, you know, who, who's got, half the sec now after having camped in the month of june they've got another kid uh by the last name of taylor who's really starting to pick up some group of fives and maybe some low power fives you know you just never know when a high school is going to do that so yeah he, he's done a nice job his staff's done a nice job and they've put a big emphasis on in-state players and that's why i think you've seen them you know become more of a factor with guys like isaiah horton cam miller caden pope um, you know, I think Tennessee is more of a factor now with Anthony Brown than they were two or three weeks ago. We'll see if they can get Jalen Lewis to campus before the end of the month. Uh, we'll see what they can do with other guys like DeArco Perkins. Uh, you know, if, you know, does he get to campus maybe sometime next week? Kimber Barry on Brown. So yeah, Tennessee's putting big emphasis on in-state recruiting, and uh, you know, it, again, it's a marathon, not a sprint, Brent. And you know, while you know, 
somebody may not answer the door when you first knock. If you keep knocking, they're likely to come. Well, and I'll, to, to wrap that up, I'll say this. They've made it an emphasis the entire state. We've seen some coaches in the past who focused on the mid-state and said, West Tennessee, we're not going to mess with you. Uh, we've seen some other times where maybe East Tennessee didn't get a whole lot of traction and a whole lot of phone calls or, or visits from people. I, I think they have tried to go from one end of the state to the other to identify and to establish themselves, create some relationships there. Remember, there was no coaching clinic this spring because of COVID, so you couldn't have those guys come and visit with you. So you've got to really make an effort to try to get to know some people and reach out. And, and I think they've done a solid job of that across the state, maybe more than, than some other coaches have done in the past. And, and I think it's a good thing because um, this state's got plenty of challenges. It's a, it's a geographically, it, it's got challenges about it in recruiting. And I think this staff has put in a good, a good amount of effort uh, to try to build and repair some relationships across the state. Austin, let's stick with uh, recruiting and focus in on this recruiting weekend for Tennessee. What does the visitor list look like this weekend? Who are a couple names that a Tennessee fans should keep an eye on that will be visiting Knoxville this weekend? Well, there's three offensive linemen I think you really take, pay close attention to. Ryan Brubaker, uh, I don't think he's going to do anything this weekend. He's got another visit coming up. And, 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 and even then, I, I still think Tennessee – you know, we'll have to overcome some obstacles to land him. Then you got Addison Nichols, uh, who visits USC next weekend. That's kind of an Ohio State, Southern Cal, Tennessee battle. Um, kid's got ties to Knoxville. His grandparents live here. His parents or his mom went here. Um, you know, has been here a bunch. It's got all the family in town. There's Masai Reddick, a uh, young man out of Cass Tech up in uh, Michigan. Uh, you know, I could see him, you know, feeling the love this weekend and potentially jumping in the boat. And then – uh, the Kansas transfer, uh, who is, is not an offensive lineman, he's the one guy that I would look for that's not on the offensive line. That's Karan Prunty, uh, out of the, originally from the state of Virginia. Uh, corner, has three years of eligibility left, and Tennessee would love to land him after they lost uh, you know, the young man from JUCO who eventually flipped from Tennessee to Auburn just a couple of weeks ago. I would throw in, too, an unofficial visit, Austin, and, and Caden Curry. Yeah. You know, that, that's a big one. Explain to everybody where Caden Curry's from and what that's, why that's significant. Well, he's the uh, teammate of Taven Jackson, your four-star quarterback commit. Caden Curry's a five-star defensive lineman. Um, and, and listen, to this weekend, getting him in here unofficially, Brent, is big because potentially, if you show well, you could get him back here for an official visit in the fall. And if that happens, then Tennessee's in this thing. So... You know, right now it's about positioning, you know, becoming a factor in uh, Caden Curry's recruitment. And so for him to be coming down, you know, and bringing Taven with him, it's not Taven bringing him. He's coming down and Taven's riding along. To get that, to make that happen, I think that's a, a big thing for Tennessee. And listen, right now, that, that you know, getting a five-star on campus, there's some juice in that. Tennessee, potentially next weekend, could have Branson Robinson as an official visitor. That's what's supposed to happen. We'll see if it does. If it does, are they likely to land Branson Robinson? No. But you're getting players to campus, and that goes a long way to starting a trend long-term. Austin, did they view Dylan Sampson's commitment as, as expected, or is that a pleasant surprise to get that running back? Uh, well, they were, they've been trying to get him to vote for a while, so they were happy uh, that Dylan Sampson uh, committed last weekend. And, uh, you know, are they done at running back, Jonathan? Potentially, I think if the right running back wanted to come, Branson Robinson, Dallin Hayden, they would take two. But I don't think they're just going to take two to take two. 
I think that like it would take one of those one one of those couple couple of guys I mentioned uh, for Tennessee to take more than run one running back in this class. Brent, how should or how will Josh Heupel um, re-recruits the wrong way to phrase this? How how is he combating the negative recruitment of the upcoming penalties from the NCAA? Uh, we, we've discussed a lot about other teams using that against the ten, the, the Tennessee Volunteers. Is, is Heupel addressing that the proper way on the recruiting trails based on what you can tell? Well, I mean, I don't know that there is a great answer because you can't give them anything definitive. Um, the, the defensive back, who, who the JUCO who decommitted from Tennessee um, and, and committed to Auburn, uh, we'll just call him Roe because I can't pronounce his name. Okay. Um, I, I think that, you know, Austin, that a big part of that was Auburn telling him that he was never going to play in a bowl game at Tennessee. And, and I think they worked pretty hard uh, that angle about where Tennessee was from a penalty standpoint. Tennessee's certainly trying to tell everybody, hey, it's not going to be that bad. Here's kind of what we're thinking. Here's some things that way. They're trying to combat that. But, you know, the problem they're having right now is when a, when a kid says, well, here's what Tennessee told me, then that school is school X is going, well, that that's interesting. You do know they're still interviewing people and the investigation's ongoing. So I don't know what their punishment's going to be if they're still talking to people about all their, all their transgressions. So, Tennessee's got to get this thing to the finish line where they're done interviewing people and, and can get to a position of, of doing some um, self-imposed penalties, but we just don't know when that's going to be. And it is a challenge for Josh Heupel. It is something schools around the country are using against them and will continue to use against them. How close are you guys following the Arizona State NCAA story that popped this week in their investigation? Because there are some similarities with some of the accusations about what was taking place in Tennessee? Well, I, I've, I've followed it. I read the initial article, and, and it seemed the article I read uh, about focused on uh, doing some illegal recruiting during the COVID period. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that that has taken place at some other places around the country where they don't have a, a full-blown investigation. They just found it and eliminated the coach. That, that doesn't work there anymore. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that there, there's some similarities to the standpoint there was just some improper things going on in recruiting. And I'll be fascinated to see how assertive Arizona State is in handling things internally and trying to sort of ward off the NCAA and in working conjunction with them like Tennessee. Are they going to go about it differently and, and just say, hey, we're going to go about business. We'll do our investigation. Then NCAA, if you want to come in and look at it, you can. Tennessee has tried to work hand-in-hand hand with the NCAA to, to try to speed things up, but you can't speed it up if you're continuing to interview people because, Austin, you got a tip or you've got somebody who said something that's caused you to go interview somebody else. And that's kind of what it's been for Tennessee really since January. We thought they would be through with the interview part no later than the end of February. New staff's in place, and here you go. But we're in June, and they're still talking about interviewing people out there. It drags on, and, and you're right. The more, you know, well, you might want to go talk to this person. Okay, we go talk to that person. Well, I don't know. You might want to go talk to this person. And, and, and so everybody wants to deflect and, you know, bring other names into this. So, you know, it, it, it just what happened with previous people who are no longer here, that continues to haunt the people that are here because – they can't definitively say to these recruits, uh, hey, we've got this, or we're, we're going to get that. You know, They can't definitively say, hey, Team X is wrong. We're not going to get 
four years or three years or whatever, they can't say that definitively. And what are parents and, and prospects to do? Who are they going to trust? Brent, going back to... I mean, it's pretty, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'll just say it's pretty simple. You're not going to look at Tennessee, who's the one under investigation, and go, okay, I'll trust those guys. I mean, like, they're going to lean more towards the, the staffs that, that don't have an investigation going on right now. Brent, going back to the, the, the chat last week about fundraising um, and the My All campaign, let, let's fine-tune it a bit with the corporate dollars that we could see coming in and, and some of the corporate naming rights to Neyland Stadium that maybe have not been thought about. If they've been thought about, they haven't been discussed very long in the past. And I, I know we're not discussing, it's not going to be Neyland Stadium and Pilot Oil Field. But right. where, where could we see the naming rights change a bit on the interior of that stadium that bring in a few million? Well, I think you could see them name um, a gate plaza area. Uh, you know, I think you could see them name uh, the, the club area, the new club area they're doing uh, along the west side. I think you could see them do something with uh, the, the, what Danny White's calling the sports bar atmosphere uh, below the new jumbotron that's going to go in in the north side but when you're talking about needing needing to raise you know 200 plus million dollars for stadium renovations that that is hard to do and going out and asking you know private equity or private donors you know just individuals say hey let's let's see if we can get this thing to 200 million dollars or 250 million dollars you're, you're going to have to find some money elsewhere and i think we're seeing that uh that, that continue to happen around the country and I think Tennessee is certainly going to pursue that that point. Now there'll there'll be some limitations. They're not going to, I mean, they're not going to sell every tunnel. You know, every turnstile is not going to be brought to you by somebody. I mean, it's not going to be like that. But I, I think Kentucky is a good example of this. When you look at their um, club seats, they they did the Woodford Reserve area for their clubs uh, several years ago. They're really nice. Um, I think they got a ten year commitment out of that company. Uh, where they pay annually once a year for, for that 10-year commitment, and uh, they have the naming rights, and it's kind of decorated in, in their motif the way they wanted to. And I, I think you could see Tennessee pursuing that avenue. I think they'll pursue it in football. I would not be surprised at all to see them pursue it in baseball with some of the renovations, particularly if you talk about redoing those ports, uh, the, the porch stuff outside the outfield wall there. I could certainly seeing that see that with some naming rights to it. I just think that's where we are in college athletics, and I think you'll see that continue to develop around the country. And Austin, we're going to see the, the, the name image likeness discussion continue in recruiting. Is, did I hear right at VolQuest that Georgia is set to announce like some NIL deals, with, especially with their true freshman quarterback coming up on July 1st? And how, how closely are you paying attention to that? Well, I think everybody's paying attention to that. I mean, I think that's something that whether you're at Alabama or Wisconsin or, or Texas A&M or wherever, you're paying attention to anybody that goes down that road because it's a game changer. And so I, I think it's interesting that, you know, Brock Vandergriff has got a potential deal that, that, you know, will go active in the month of July to where he will be making money. But the quarterback of Georgia, the starting quarterback, who will have Heisman odds, does not. I mean, it, it, that's <laughs> that's, that's bizarre to me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. when I think about it, I think about your best players at each school, not you know the true freshman quarterback who has never played. They don't know if he's you know the next coming of you know 
uh, an all pro or a bust. You know, that that part of it is a, a, a bit just, you know, that's a head scratcher, but it's also the world we live in now, Brent. Well, and the NCAA is going to have to get off their hiney. They're going to have to get off the rear end, and they're going to have to figure out what parameters are going to be put in place with this thing and, and what parameters are not going to be put in place with it. Um, are they going to get, you know, that thing's going to get out of, that toothpaste is going to get out of the tubes to the point that they're going to have some real issues there. So a lot of schools are waiting to see what parameters you have on this, what are going to be your state parameters, what are going to be your university parameters on that. Georgia seems to be extremely aggressive and marketing to people that they've got a couple of guys with deals. Um, will those deals go into effect July 1, or is there going to be something that's put into place that you know restructures that deal to some degree? We, we will see. I, I've not seen any other schools marketing or putting out uh, that they have deals in place with their players, but Georgia has been pretty aggressive in doing that. They're trying to use it to their recruiting advantage. Does that go in the way that everybody, you know, the way the Georgia people think it's going to be, or has the NCAA got some parameters on that? I mean, we're 10 days removed from, you know, a bunch of coaches on Capitol Hill talking to legislators about this from a federal level. So what, what is that going to look like, and, and when's all, all that going to go into place? I think it's a question a lot of people are asking. Guys, one war room note I wanted clarification on. Um, the fan amenity area in the parking lot outside the south end zone of the stadium. What is that exactly that you're hearing that Tennessee is trying to accomplish? Well, I mean, from what I understand, it's going to be a concession, uh, food concession type deal. I don't know if it's going to tie back into the stadium, meaning once you go in, you can come back into that area and do something. But if you think about it, if you're in G10 or you're down that way, um, you don't have a food option uh, unless you're bringing your own food, right? So if if you're not tailgating or going to somebody's tailgate or you park or you ride a bus up from the ag campus and they let you off there, you've got to go to the student center or you've got to walk all the way over to the strip to get something before you go into the stadium or you got to walk down to Calhoun's. If they put something there, then you're going to have some food options on that part of campus that have not been there before. And I think that's something that Danny White and his staff are looking at as the possibility of doing uh, because, you know, everybody's asking about what are you going to be, a, you know, your new amenities right now. They can't build a structure between now and, and this fall. So they're going to try to do some things to create a better environment, to create some amenities. And there's talk about doing whether it's a little food truck park there or whether it's some other kind of concessions uh, deal. And <coughs> beverages. That, and beverages. That's the direction they're going to go. Uh, and would like to go in that area there that's not being um, utilized in any in any real type of way. One basketball note I cannot resist. Resist. Dom Campbell from Maine for 2020 has lost 65 pounds <laughs> to start getting on some people's radar. Six nine, and what does he weigh now? Post post epic weight loss. Are you asking me? Yeah, I, I mean, this guy. <laughs> I, 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 that I, I don't know the answer to that question, Paul. Well, okay, you, you've got him at three. He's down from 340 last year. I mean. Uh, oh, now you're, now you're asking math? 
Well, there's this, math. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, I'm, I'm saying All right, wait a it says a lady in the story. He's, he's down to no. 265. This yeah. is quite a find, though, to find a guy, six wow. nine guy, who's down to 265. They clearly had eyes on well, him. Well, I and think now they're drawing attention. To he him. will quickly put that put weight, that weight back, back on. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the interesting <laughs> part, guys, is that Rick Barnes is finally tapping into that basketball Maine. hotbed of Maine. <laughs> I mean, who knew this, this could be from hey, the fertile the, ground for Tennessee hoops? The the last top athlete to come out of Maine was Julie the Cat Gaffney and Mighty Ducks too. <laughs> wow, there's yeah. a good reference there. Keep us updated uh, on this guy's uh, scale reports. Well, uh, let's see how far let's see how far he gets up the Tennessee basketball radar because um, if you look at where Tennessee is recruiting in basketball right now, uh, they're recruiting a bunch of top twenty players nationally. Um, and, and they're not they're not diving down into a whole lot of reaches or a whole lot of waters where guys are trying to improve their stock. They're they're dealing with guys who are at the Team USA tryouts and who are winning camp MVPs and that and and those types of things. I mean, it's a who's who in terms of high profile players that Rick Barnes and his staff have already had on campus this month. And everybody who's made an official visit this month can make another official visit here starting September 1 before you sign a national letter of intent in November. So they've had they've had five parade-type All-American players here this month. Those same five will be back at some point in the fall. Hutton is betting the over. We're doing a long-term parlay oh, on the over. this guy. Consider what this guy did. Let's put this in perspective. The maximum weight for a heavyweight to fight in the UFC is 265 pounds. And he's that's, still over. That's as heavy as you can be on weigh-in day. This guy, this guy cut weight. <laughs> to weigh in for UFC. I, I'm absolutely taking the over 300 by the time the season tips off. 6'9". <laughs> I want pictures. That's a big boy. He's I gotta big, go look yeah. for pictures. Can he play football? That, that, that's my that's I'm sure my Josh is probably asking that question, too. He probably should have played football is probably <laughs> what it boils down to. We've seen a few of those through the years. By the way, Brent, Austin is – I'm also taking this bet. He's going to text Chad and be like, hey, did you like the way I dropped in Mighty Ducks 2's reference uh, in the yeah. show today? Austin, your thoughts on the new Mighty Ducks series on Disney Plus, Mighty Ducks Game Changers? <laughs> I thought it was great. You know, man, my kids have, uh, you know, about eight, nine months ago during the pandemic, we just started rolling through old, old, uh, you know, movies that were popular when I was a kid. Yeah. So, like, my kids started watching Mighty Ducks. And so then I'm like, oh, wow, Catherine, that's my wife, they're coming out with a Mighty Ducks series on Disney Plus. This works out perfect. They're going to know everything and so sure enough you know they love they've loved all three movies they religiously watch all three movies um and so now that the game changers came out they've watched that they were a big fan and uh you know i i thought it was well done um here, here, we're gonna play trivia though guys i mean can you tell me where uh luis mendoza was from in mighty ducks 2 go arizona Luis Mendoza. No. Why Mighty New Ducks Mexico? 2? You keep going to Mighty Ducks 2 like it's better <laughs> than Mighty Ducks. better than the original. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure. I've where where was it. he from, Austin? Go ahead. Well, they all were from Minnesota in Mighty Ducks 1, but in Mighty Ducks yeah. 2, they incorporated the people from all the different places. Yeah, where, where was he from? Are you going to, yeah. Miami. Oh, oh, Miami. Then you had the kid with the lasso who's like in a circus or something. Yeah, the hockey. Yeah. Dwayne, the hockey, Dwayne hockey, Robertson. Miami. Yeah. He, he was from Texas. He was from Austin, Texas. You had Ken Wu from San Francisco. I can keep going, man. I watch these videos all the time because my kids are always have it on. Yeah, which put, is what you better, better put than that fire out there that your kids are the reason you're watching hey, these movies. Listen, <laughs> my kids, my kids got hooked into watching these YouTube videos where like 
adults are playing with dolls and stuff. And I'm like, we got to get this off. So to get that off, I'll gladly watch Mighty Ducks 2 and Mighty Ducks 3. Really laid down and the anything hammer else they want to watch. You're watching, you're watching Jacob, uh, a.k.a. Travis Tritt, on YouTube videos now? Is that what you're saying? Sleep, sleepy Danny's over there with like an Elsa doll. <laughs> Guys, have a great weekend. Uh, Good sports weekend here in Nashville. We're going to preview coming up. And, of course, in Knoxville following College World Series. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll be reading the site. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. it. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Same to you guys. Austin Price, Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com. We mentioned the big weekend in Nashville. We'll explain why straight ahead. Plus, a big weekend for us because Paul is about to make us big winners with the 360 parlay. And a, a big goodbye when we come back. That's right. So I'll kick 360 continues. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, wrapping up a fun week. And what's going to be an exciting weekend uh, here in the Tennessee Power Hour? I'm looking forward to seeing how Nashville reacts to NASCAR returning for the first time in a decade. Nashville Super Speedway is hosting the Cup Series and the Truck Series and the Xfinity Race. Starts this evening, goes through Sunday afternoon. 2.30 Central Time is when they will wave the green flag on the Cup Series race on Sunday afternoon. So it'll be going head-to-head, I believe, with Tennessee baseball. That'll be interesting. That's on NBC Sports Network. But I'm just intrigued to see the atmosphere, the crowd, and the fact that, look, whether or not you like racing or not, it, uh, the fact that that track is set empty and it's been a literal parking lot for Nissan, I believe. That's yeah. where Chad could For the last 10 over. years, yeah. the fact that they're using it for what it was built for is a great thing. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm glad NASCAR's back in Music City. I, I would honestly, if it was not a Father's Day this weekend, I'd love to see it. And it's right in my backyard yeah. in uh, yeah. Glayville where I went to elementary school growing up. Um, it, it's cool to have the big boys. Anytime you can get the top level of whatever the sport, it's great. Uh, it's great for the mid-state, for the Nashville, greater Nashville area to get uh, the big cup series back in this race. And I'm, I'm like you, Hutton. I'm just fascinated to see how this all yeah. comes out this weekend. I'm like a lot of other people. I'm much more in- intrigued by the upcoming open wheel race yeah. downtown. Yeah. Oh yeah. Than I am by this. The Music with City all Grand the Formula Prix. One stuff that that's come will, on because of the Netflix show. Will Kyle Busch win? And if he wins, will he smash the guitar? That, oh, that's, that's I forgot about what, that. Yeah, that's what I'm intrigued by. Yeah. Uh, because is it's there one a of guitar? the best. Yeah, oh yeah, it's one of the best like, trophies in in racing. It is, is a that good guitar trophy. trophy that they hand out. Paul, this week's Outkick 360 parlay. Let's get another. Uh, Paul, another winner. Won last night. Yes, Let's go back and back. On. This Let's afternoon, England will beat Scotland in the Euros. You uh, get that bet in quickly. Money line. Yeah, that game starts at two o'clock Central, so you've got an hour, hour and three, three minutes. minutes. Yep. Rafa Cabrero Bello may not win the U.S. Open, but he's coming in the top twenty. Spanish Explorer, he's Rafa Cabrero in the Bello. Top twenty total odds here plus two ninety three five dollars get you nineteen sixty nine. England's winning that. Uh, they're minus three seventy. There better not be a, a draw in that match uh, against Scotland. That. They're winning. Uh, Rafa, is coming let's go. The bullfighter, the F one driver. Really, he's on tour. Top twenty. We're let's talking win. About. Top 20. Let's what, win. What this you're saying, Hotdoz, when you say that is women like him. <laughs> Look. When I hear the guy looks like a bullfighter or an F1 racer, I'm like, he's probably yeah. popular with the ladies. Probably a handsome man. He's a Spaniard. Yes, the, the, Spanish, Spaniard. the Spanish ladies love him. 
Uh, <laughs> we, used to, we used to always do that. When we knew Spaniards or Germans, what we did in Look college was we called them the Spaniard or, or the German. We were big nicknamers. Really clever. Hey, uh, shout out to Jake Popoff. Today, Jake. final day. Uh, and what has been the quickest internship uh, production yeah. assistance uh, schedule ever? I mean, he did well, but I don't really know what the overall well, you know, purpose was. He, uh, but I feel like Jake, it remarkably, will leave an impact even in a short time. Most of the time, we'd say it was like you weren't even here because it was such a short time. It's like you weren't even here. But he's really left a mark. It's great. It's a mark, but the mark should be left for three months. Paul doing his best to make him fear him on his way out <laughs> right now. Three months is the mark an internship should leave. Couldn't get that so fear while he was here. He's left one-third of the mark he should have left. Chances are well, we, will not see the, we will not be the last of Jake Popoff uh, no. after today's debrief good on job. Instagram. He will yeah, have the excellent. debrief today. Uh, Regan McCrossin will be very lonely. McCrossin, you got to step on, it up now and fill the on role. On Fridays now. Um, this is a lot of pressure on Regan. But yeah, because Jake, Sarah's handled it by herself on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. Regan has had Jake here the whole it's time, so they crunch. split the duty. So I think it's uh, it's incumbent upon us to really put added pressure on Regan I'm starting Monday where I'm we start to really apply the you pressure. You will begin to fear me. Right. Jake headed back to <laughs> Utah. Fear stars. Headed back to Utah. So uh, a shout out there in the Utes um, with uh, pop-offs behind the scenes <laughs> there. That's right. Hey, uh, have a great weekend. We are back at it on Monday. You can join us noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, across the OutKick Network. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Details on YouTube coming up on Monday. With If you're subscribed to the channel throughout the summer, you're going to be entered into a, an awesome drawing to win a great prize. Details on that prize coming up on Monday. But you can go ahead and subscribe right now and be automatically entered. You're going to want to enter. Yes. Outkick360, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, hit, ring that bell, and you'll be alerted every time we go live and post new content to the page. Shout out to everybody for making the show happen. We'll chat on Monday. Jacob, let's right throw here. that picture up real quick. Here's Dom Campbell oh, before yeah. <laughs> and after the 65 pounds uh, from Maine. This is before and after? I think so, no? <laughs> it looks no. Maybe not. All right, this is Dom Campbell, the 6'9 like kid who lost 65 pounds from Maine, who Brent Hub says not to get excited he about. Carries it well. Because he's below. Uh, Tennessee's new high, high standards. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Sweet dreams. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.